this is the third Sunday in the season of Lent, and Lent is what leads us up to Easter. So for this Lent season, we've been following Jesus uh, geographically, also spiritually, as he made his way towards Jerusalem and the cross. We've called this series The Ways of Jesus. I hope you've checked out the website, uh, waysofjesus.com. There's great information for you there about each of the sites of Jesus' stop, along with some historic and uh, geographic stuff. But uh, the messages from each week are there, too, and a link to the Lenten devotional. So be sure and check out waysofjesus.com. And much like the traffic navigation app, Ways, we find that it's the Spirit of Christ that guides us on our journey giving us real-time course correction and also working amongst us to crowdsource that help, to be aware of what hazards or obstacles might be in our way and the best ways to get around them. And so we started with Jesus at the mountain near Caesarea Philippi, an event called the Transfiguration, when the disciples saw Jesus changed right before their very eyes. They saw in him the fullness of God, and they also heard the voice of God saying, this is my son. Listen to him. And then, according to Mark's gospel, the disciples and Jesus moved on to a city on the Sea of Galilee called Capernaum. And it was there at Capernaum where Jesus said, and this is sort of a modern-day interpretation, don't be a stick. If you were here last week, If not, it's worth going and watching maybe to get some understanding about that. But essentially, Jesus said, don't be the thing that would cause someone to get caught in the trap of distrusting that which is trustworthy, namely, Jesus himself. And so then, from Capernaum, it says that Jesus and his disciples went to Judea which was the southern region of the kingdom of Israel, went to Judea and beyond the Jordan. And so they would have gone into Judea, which is where Jerusalem is, but then also beyond the Jordan, which was the Jordan River, and going beyond the Jordan meant going east of the Jordan River, past the boundary of what they would have considered their land and and their people. So, So Jesus took them out to the fringes. And while they were out here, among other things that they talked about, Jesus reminded them, look, we're going to Jerusalem, and there I'm going to be captured, mocked, spit on, and killed. And then on the third day, I will rise up. And we know throughout the Gospels that the disciples had a hard time wrapping their minds around what Jesus was talking about when he would tell them these things about what was to come. But it's particularly obvious in this case because in that moment it says that James and John, two of his disciples, said to Jesus, Jesus, will you do something for us? And he said, well, what do you want? And he said, we want to be seated at your right hand and your left when you enter into your glory, when you enter into your kingdom. Just like good Christians, we want seats of honor. (laughs) We want to be special. 
Sarcasm? No, that doesn't land. Okay, pick a different literary device, I guess, or something. Uh, And then it says that when the other disciples heard what they said, they got angry with James and John. Why? It doesn't say, probably because they wanted the seats of honor and James and John beat them to it. No, I don't know. Or maybe they knew inherently there was something wrong with that. Jesus actually says to them, you don't exactly understand what you're asking for. So it was here, beyond the Jordan, this area, this region, and in the midst of that conversation that Jesus taught them something. And that's what I want to read for us this morning from Mark chapter 10. I'm going to read verses 42 through 45. We're going to put them up on the screen so that you can follow along as I read them aloud. So it says, Jesus called them over and said, You know that the ones who are considered the rulers by the Gentiles show off their authority over them, and their high-ranking officials order them around. But that's not the way it will be with you. Whoever wants to be great among you will be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you will be the slave of all. For the human one didn't come to be served, but rather to serve and to give his life to liberate many people. And see, as we follow this journey of Jesus, we find that the the starting point as he headed towards Jerusalem, in Caesarea Philippi, they heard the voice of God saying, listen to him. And then their next stop in Capernaum, Jesus said, hey, whatever you do, don't cause people not to trust me, not to want to put their faith in me. And then when they came to the area beyond the Jordan River, Jesus said to them, listen, if, if you want to be first, if you want to be great, be a servant, a servant to everyone. It's interesting, by the way, to note the geography, because here beyond the Jordan River, for the one thing, it's, it's on the fringes, it's on the margins of where they would have lived and had their being. And, and so there's a sense in which Jesus brought them to the edges of what they were used to and accustomed to and told them, be a servant to everyone. But then to me, it's also interesting to note that this would have been the place where the people of God had crossed over the Jordan River once before. Sneak peek for next week, by the way, they're headed to Jericho. And, and so if, if anybody in here remembers the Old Testament story of the people of God when they were east of the Jordan River and went into the promised land, into Jericho, Joshua and the Battle of Jericho, you remember that story because they, it says that God sent them in and told them to march around the walls seven times and the walls would fall down. The part of the story we usually leave out, by the way, is that they said God told them to go in and when the walls fell, to kill them all. Kill all the men, kill all the women, kill all the children, kill all the animals, don't let anything live. Wipe them out. And this time, when the people of God, the disciples of Jesus, are going to cross over 
the Jordan River and go to Jericho, the message from God through Jesus is serve them all. Love them all. In the pattern and the way of Jesus who is going to give his life for them all. And he says to them, look at the political, civic authorities around you. How they jockey for power and position. They argue about who's right and who's wrong and who gets to be in charge. So they can set the policy and the polity and be the ones who tell everyone else how things are going to be. And Jesus said, but that's not the way it'll be with you. That's not the way of the politics of the kingdom of God. He flips it on its head. He says, you want to be great? You want to have influence? You want to be important? Serve. Give. Sacrifice for others. And for my money, this concept is so foreign to our modern Christianity that is steeped in American exceptionalism that we hardly know what to do with it. This weekend, as Aaron said, we've been celebrating our impact around the globe with the theme of hope in the face of injustice. Raising awareness and involvement to serve, to give, to care for our brothers and sisters here at home and around the world who are suffering, being mistreated, forgotten. And in that vein, I'm excited that we've got a guest with us here this morning in Chapel Roswell. He's a dear friend of mine, the Reverend Jared Latham. He and I go way back. He's on staff at Mount Bethel United Methodist Church just down the road. And Jared is somebody that I've always known to have a heart and a passion for God's people, for sharing the good news of God's love, and particularly with people who are being mistreated, dealing with injustice. And so we're lucky to have Jared here to share with us some of his story and his perspective this morning. Will you all help me welcome Jared? Hey, Jared. Well, good morning. How are you? I'm so glad to be here this morning. I asked Eric, how long did it take you to get used to preaching like this? He said, I'll let you know. Um, so if I turn my back to you for too long, just say, don't forget about us. Just make noise, and I'll turn to you. I, uh, I apologize. But I am so excited to be here this morning. My name is Jared Latham, as Eric said, and I knew Eric before the beard. Um, and so we go way back. By the way, that's not a beard. This is a beard. Uh, but uh, you keep trying. Um, but I am so excited. Amen, brother. I am so excited to be here this morning. Uh, as he said, I am on staff at Mount Bethel. I'm the pastor of the modern worship service there called The Gathering. I'm also the online pastor there. Um, I'm married uh, to the most beautiful woman in the world, Leem, uh, who's originally from Venezuela. And we have four amazing kids. Zoe's 10, Elijah's 7, Alana is 2, and Ziana will be 1 this month. And she homeschools, so pray for my wife. 
Uh, she is a saint, um, but uh, we, are, we are very, very blessed. And, and, you know, I grew up in Alpharetta. My dad was the pastor of Mount Pisgah for 17 years, and I grew up in this area. And so growing up, injustice wasn't really something that, that uh, came up at our, our dinner table. We didn't really talk about injustice. We, we grew up here, and we're, we're fortunate people, right? Y'all look really good. We are blessed people. And so the, the most injustice I had in my life was my older brother always got to play Joseph in the Christmas plays, and I was the donkey. Um, that was like the level of injustice in my life. And so it wasn't until um, my family got involved in Venezuela that I discovered what true injustice is. As I mentioned, my wife was born and raised there. Uh, all of her extended family is, is, is still down there. The, the average minimum monthly salary in Venezuela right now is about $5. $5. It costs $150 to buy a carton of eggs. So imagine you make $5 this month, and a dozen eggs is $150. See, I don't think many of us understand injustice. I think a lot of us say we do. But it's when we go to places like that, we go into the, the dark alleys in Atlanta, and we discover what true injustice is is all about. So my family got involved in Venezuela um, after my brother, who had gone down there on a mission trip, was flying home uh, on the value jet plane that crashed in the Everglades in 96. And a few years later, uh, my father went down to Venezuela and started doing crusades, preaching, and thousands of people would come and, and hear him preach, and, and people would give their life to Christ. But he knew something was wrong, something was missing. And the Lord laid on his heart this this dream of a seminary to, to raise up and equip Venezuelans to go out and reach the lost in their own country. And so he began the Wesleyan Seminary of Venezuela. And uh, it, it is unbelievable what's happening. He started the Methodist Church down there. The Methodist Church is exploding. Um, the Holy Spirit is moving it in powerful ways. If you want to see the book of Acts come alive, it is in Venezuela. There are miraculous healings. One church down there, we have the video of it. The pastor's daughter was born with one leg shorter than the other, and he's been praying and praying and praying in one service. He prayed over his daughter, and you can watch the video. Her leg grows. That's what's happening in Venezuela in the face of injustice. Now, years ago when my dad started this seminary, he never knew what it would become in Venezuela. We never knew that children would literally be starving to death in the streets. We never expected that the government would put snipers on rooftops to shoot protesters. We never expected those things to happen, but we believe God knew what was coming. And so God placed in his heart uh, over 10 years ago this dream of starting a seminary. At a conference one year, a man walked up to my dad and, and said, Latham, what do you know about starting a seminary? My dad looked at him and said, absolutely nothing, but I'm doing it. What are you doing? See, that's the question for us today, isn't it? What are we doing? What are we doing? You see, I think it's time for the church to open her eyes to what's going on in the world today. And what's going on in the world today is sin. See, at the root of injustice is sin. So we can, we can shout at Washington all day long. We can tell Washington they've got to fix the problem. Washington can't fix what ails us. Because what ails us is sin. And the solution to sin is the cross of Jesus Christ. 
That's the solution. And so therefore, it's the job of the church. And so that's why the church in Venezuela is exploding right now, because they're dealing with the root cause of the injustice. People are starving to death. My wife's family, a bunch of them were 10 years ago, good, healthy people, if you know what I mean. They're not anymore. They're rail thin. But you know what? They walk around with a smile on their face, singing praises every single day because they know the Lord is working in the midst of the injustices in Venezuela. And so we, the church, here in the United States, we have to open our eyes to what is ailing us, and it is sin. Because injustices are all around us. Aaron mentioned some this morning. This is a beautiful area, but you peel back the veneer in Roswell, Alfreda, East Cobb, you will find ugly. You will find, we are ground zero of the sex traffic industry. Do you know that? Do you see the injustices all around you? And more importantly, do you want to see them? Be honest with yourself, because life is a lot easier with blinders on. You wear blinders through your life, you're going to have a pretty easy life. So be warned. You take the blinders off, and you see ugly. But you also see the need for hope. And hope is found in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Do you see what's ailing us? See, the church is called to love. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 12 says we need to truly love, and I'm paraphrasing, not pretend love. I grew up in the church. I'm 40 years old. I grew up in the church. I worked in the church. I've been going to church since I was born. I know church. And so let me just be brutally honest with you this morning. Church is really good at pretending to love people. We are so good at saying the right things, but then not doing it. We're so good at pretending. But are we actually loving people radically? Are we, love, are we willing to get our hands and our feet dirty by getting into other people's messes? Are we willing to love people enough to touch people even when no one else would touch them? Are we willing to speak life into other people's dead ends? You see, Jesus Christ loved us that way. He loved us enough to go to the cross and die for us. And so the question becomes, are we willing to go to the cross to fight injustice? Are we willing to lose everything to fight injustice? We have pastor friends in Venezuela whose lives are on the line every single day. Every time they leave their house, they don't know if they're coming home. It's that violent of a country. But they're willing to go to the cross and die so that others can, can be brought out of injustice and find hope in the face of injustice. See, this isn't just some random people. It's my family. My father hasn't been back to Venezuela uh, in several years because his, his visa was denied, praise God, because some, some thugs came knocking on the seminary's door asking for him. And if they had found him there, he would have been arrested and or killed. That's what we're talking about. 
And so Chapel Rosal, the question for us is what are we doing? This whole weekend, talking about injustice is a wonderful thing, and I praise God you're doing it. But talk is cheap. What are you doing? Are you willing to step up and say, you know what, Pastor Eric, Pastor Kristen, I don't know what it, what, it's, what it looks like, what I'm called to, but I'm ready to do something. I'm ready to help people cross the Jordan into the promised land. Or maybe it's, you know what, I, I, I've been stingy with my pocketbook, I've been stingy with my wallet, but Lord, here it is. Here's everything I have. Everything is yours. You use it to bring hope into people's, the, the injustice people find themselves in. What are we doing? What are you doing with your life? You see, if we know Christ, we are called to be a witness. And that may cost you everything. So do not choose this path lightly. I don't want to upset Pastor Eric, Pastor Chris, this is what I would say at my, my service. You don't have to agree with me. Okay? You do not have to agree with anything I'm saying right now. You can say, you know what, this is not for me. Someone else can do it. That's fine. Just be honest with yourself. I'll pray for you. Just be honest with yourself. I'm glad you're in church. But if you know right now the Holy Spirit's talking to you, if your heart is breaking just a little bit right now, it's time to move. It's time to act. Stop just talking about it. Stop just acting like you love people. Stop pretending to be church. It's time to be the church. Whether it's, whether it's here in Roswell or it's in the inner cities of Atlanta or it's in Honduras or it's Venezuela or it's the Middle East, wherever God's called you, it's time for you to be the church. I heard, I, you know what, I heard a few amens, Eric. Let me try that again. It's time for you to be the church. Dad, gummy, y'all got some passion. Good. See, I got passion. I got. I don't like seeing people die without the hope of Christ. I don't like to see people wail in agony and suffering because they are lost in their injustice. And I don't like it when churches gather on Sunday morning, pat each other on the back, and then go have lunch and forget everything they just heard. It's time to be the church. It's time to act today. And so here's what's going to happen. I'm going to pray. And um, if I can, just ask you to pray for Venezuela. I know there's a lot that Roswell's doing, but if I can just be selfish for a moment, I have the stage. Um, Pray for Venezuela. It's my family we're talking about. But I'm going to pray, and then I think Pastor Eric is going to come, come back up. I don't know what it is for you today, but I do know this. I grew up in this area, so I, I know what I'm saying. There's a lot of money in this room right now. There's enough money in this room to change the world. We just got to let go of it. There's a lot of able bodies in this room, enough to change the world. We just got to let go of our bodies. So Eric's going to come up, and he's going to present a, 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 something for you, to, you know, for you to respond, a way for you to respond. And I pray that today you choose to stop playing church and become the church. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, 
my prayer is, is very simple right now. I pray that you would break our hearts for what breaks yours. It is very easy to live in this area and be kind of blind to what's really going on in the world. And that's, that's normal. That's, I'm, that's not me condemning anyone. That's normal. I do the same thing. It's easy to get caught up in our own lives and, and forget that outside of this area are people who are, are suffering greatly. And even inside this area, Lord, I believe that if you peel off the veneer of Roswell and Alpharetta, there's an ugliness here. Lord, so my prayer is right now that you would open our eyes to see it and that you would break our hearts for it. So much so, Lord, that we would, we would take our, our wallets and our, our, our pocketbook and say, Lord, it's all yours. You take it. You do with it what you will. I pray you break our hearts enough, Lord, right now that we would say, Lord, here's my life. I know it may cost me something. It may, I may lose my station in life. I, I, may, I may lose my life it, itself, but I'm willing to give it to you, Lord, in order to go and bring hope into the places of great injustice in this world. Break our hearts enough, Lord, that we are willing today to say, I will be the church of Jesus Christ. And I will carry the cross of Jesus Christ into the dark places of this world. Lord, let us remember we are called to give everything to the one who's given everything to us so that others can receive everything they have in store for them from you. So Lord, let us give today. Let us give today and let us choose today to begin to fight back against the injustices in this world. In your son's holy and precious name I pray. Amen.